0: You're listening to Passion Pod number 35 with Leo Bedford, founder of Itchy Feet, Euphoria, Nicole Suits, and various other rubbish business ideas.
1: So, Leo, quite an entrepreneur, I feel like, because you've got your fingers in lots of pies.
0: I do, yeah.
1: Frozen yogurts, um, Itchy Feet events company, kind of based around this club night, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, itchy feet was it started off as an alias for me actually. Itchy feet was my DJ name. I was always a bit of a rubbish DJ. I played drum and bass and all that kind of stuff. And then I started playing rock and roll and old music. And then all of a sudden, people started actually coming to listen to me play rather than have to like beg and borrow them to get into the sudden club. So as I run, hire a hard club if you want to hear me DJ. Come down here. It'll be ninety nine p, and then we'll have a drink and have a dance. And then ninety nine p. Yeah, that's actually great. It was. Yeah, yeah.
1: What can you buy ever now for ninety nine p? I love that.
0: Yeah, nothing good. <laughs>
1: nothing good. Not entered your club nights anymore. More, no, I, I
0: imagine actually, <laughs> so yeah i started with my friend and then uh, after university i went out to new york to be uh, an investment banker and i very quickly got bored of that I, I left and i came back i needed to make ends meet so i thought uh, screw it i'll give give itchy feet a crack of all the various things i've been involved with itchy feet has been the one massive success it's always, do you think that is? i don't know i just happened to do something and and it works out really well and the whole thing has been, I wouldn't say easy, but the demand isn't what we've had to worry about. I'm a massive fan of reading up on like biographies and autobiographies and advice and I've like, got all these mentors that I speak to and you hear the same thing over and over again. Things are gonna do well, tend to do so quickly. Whether I mean, you feed that has always been
1: right place, right time, yeah. with a cool idea, something yeah. a bit
0: different. That's what I say as luck, because it wasn't like other companies. Usually you come up with the concept then you write the business plan and then you pitch it. But with Itchy Feet, we never really did any of that. I never needed any finance, I've never had a loan, we've never had cash flow issues, I've never written a business plan. That's what's been cool about it. And then, you know, I started pushing it out and trying to do more and more things. And then um, what happened was in about 2009, I was like, I'm gonna do this huge party, 25,000 pounds worth of spend. I I maxed out everything to borrow all the money I could. Um, Yeah, I mean, if we'd sold out, the revenue would have been 50 grand on the night. Um, didn't quite work out like that. And uh, I paid everyone back, but I pretty much cleaned myself out. <laughs> so after he that, says with a smile on his yeah, face. <laughs> so after that, I was like, oh, screw this. I can't be asked for this game anymore. At the time, Itchy Feet was my alias. There's no way of me getting around it. And I was like, this is rubbish. I can't build this into a massive company because it's just me. So what I'm going to do is just bin it entirely. I think it's quite emotional at the time, having lots of loads of money. <laughs> right,
1: that's it, I'm out. Yeah,
0: and, uh, and started the Frozen Yogurt Company. And then for six months, that's all I was doing. I was completely obsessed with that. And then Frozen Yogurt Company opened and was going okay. It was not not enough money to pay myself. Everyone else was getting paid, but again, as a director, you get you get money last. So I had to start doing Itchy Feet simultaneously alongside Euphoria so as that I could pay my bills. And that was no fun, because I was working bloody hard.
1: Yeah, all hours. Yeah,
0: yeah, it is, that was quite brutal. I was doing about 7 till 11 most days, seven days a week. And then both those things started going really well at the same time. So then I, I set up management for Euphoria, I set up management for Richie Feet, and then I kind of fell into the role which I am now, which is sort of owner rather than runner, do you know what I mean? But you know, I will say, you know, sitting here, we're talking about these ideas that I've had, and then being successful and stuff like that. I've always found in my career, I come up with ideas the whole time, and most of them are rubbish. It's it's, <laughs> it's only the ones that work that you end up pursuing. So I'm you know, I'm sitting at my desk thinking like, what what am I going to do with this? I think right here's a plan. I'm going to hire someone. To take over the Itchy Feet company, I mean they can do that. Reduce some of my workload so I can focus more on Euphoria, and I did that, and it worked. But that was, you know, my thirtieth idea. And you know, another one that I did before that was um, go into business with another promotions company called Rough Hill, who are a huge, huge company. And this was a much bigger deal than hiring the uh, the manager in the first place, and that was a disaster. Like we did it, we spent so much money setting up the deal, lawyers, all this kind of stuff, and it just tanked.
1: It's just, it's that sort of thing that you just, until you try these things, I guess, you're never going to know. And, you, that's... and that's
0: it, you've got to persevere.
1: What do you think, do you use people, are there specific people that you would bounce those ideas off? I'm just interested in that process of what what supports you in pursuing certain ones, are there certain...
0: Yeah, definitely, but I don't, here's the thing, I'm, I'm really bad at my networking and whatnot, I've always had quite nice isolated career, so I don't really know what anyone else does. But what I do is I get myself into a rut, and then I go away, take myself out of the situation completely, usually just go and um, sit somewhere very quiet, and then I come up with ideas, and I read loads and loads of books as well. Loads of books by people that are older and wiser than I am.
1: Any that you'd recommend?
0: Oh, yeah. Tons of them. Basically, the way that I'm seeing it is you're a young guy trying to make it as an entrepreneur in the world. There's no one there to help you. And your family and friends, you soon realise, are rubbish. <laughs> your family and friends will tell you whatever you want to hear. So they'll go... Um,
1: yes, brilliant. That well done, you. <laughs> right? that,
0: actually, that, that is my number one piece of advice. I've got two great pieces of advice. Never listen to your family. And assume that everyone is trying to steal from you those are my two big things
1: that's heartbreaking of it yeah yeah,
0: but you learn that the hard way everyone learns it the hard way it just matters how hard it is Uh, anywho (laughs) uh, mentoring is a really really great way of going forward so I have various friends of family who have been uh, successful in their careers and i was i'm very blase about it ring up and say look i've heard you're a big deal i would love to be a big deal like you can i buy you a coffee and you can tell me what it is that you've learned over your years and years of experience and they're always up for it i've never had anyone say no People love, even me, particularly me, that was sitting here. Love talking about themselves and their careers and their successes. Yeah. But that's
1: great though, because it's the it's the way for people to learn, and yeah. people want to impart that knowledge, and it's brilliant. So if,
0: if you get the opportunity to find yourself in a room with someone that knows what they're talking about, and it could be completely unrelated industry, you say, look, you know, can I can I have your number? And then you've got a question, and you ring them up. And the other great place to find mentors is books. The last book I read was Luke Johnson's book. Very famous, high-profile English entrepreneur. And he was chairman of Channel 4 for a while, actually. That's one of his biggest things. But probably his most famous and best work was growing Pizza Express from nine restaurants into the high street thing that it is. This guy's a big buyer and seller of companies. He doesn't start them. He buys them when they're small and moves them in. And I read this book, and it was totally inspirational. And that led me, actually, to buy the suit suit company that I bought last month.
1: (laughs) It's like, thanks, Luke. (laughs) Yeah, no word
0: of a lie. And this guy will charge you £8,000 a minute in consultancy fees. And he's written a 300-page book, which has basically got everything that he's learned about it. And it's a great, great, great resource for people like myself.
1: And also just knowing that it's out there and tapping into it, I think that's one thing I feel really strongly, is chat to people, make connections, or, yeah, listen to people who've done it before, perhaps.
0: Well, this is it. I mean, and as something that I've noticed about myself. You become more and more unsure of your ability or what is it you're doing when you're when you're young you're convinced that whatever you're doing is right you're completely right you're always right and you need that confidence in order to take the leap of not going down the career road you need that without it you wouldn't you wouldn't make it out of the salaried role position but With it, it makes you quite susceptible to mistakes. And entrepreneurs are control fix. Me and myself, I'm the worst at it. But it is that unwillingness to let go of it that really does jeopardise a lot of companies going forward. So, yeah, for me, reading books has been really, really helpful because these guys have got so much experience. I have a degree in business, and I learned more in the first month at it than in three years at university.
1: That's a shocking thing, though, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, university. I read, like, reams of books about operational behaviour that taught me jack. And then you come out and you start actual business or reading books by actual businessmen. And the whole thing becomes, it really is an enlightening experience. My old man always says, you don't go to university to learn your trade. You go there to learn how to concentrate and to apply yourself. And uh, yeah, certainly what I learned in university, actually, that's not true. I learned accounting and that was really, really useful. It's a real basic.
1: And that would definitely help you starting out. Because I think a lot of startups, what's often difficult is the outsourcing of things, you know, for accounts, for, you know, legal things, actually oh. for startups, that would have put you in a, quite an advantage, I imagine, at the beginning.
0: Definitely. And I think um, well, if, if I were with the world and I was going to run all business c- courses, what I'd probably do on a three-year, a three-year degree is I'd uh, do a sort of basic introduction to all the things you're going to come across, right? And that doesn't mean that you can do it, but it does mean you know when the contractor you're talking to is trying to slice you. Like, Yeah.
1: Sweetie, what do you reckon your biggest challenges have been
0: well, it it really has changes, and it changes depending on how the how the companies that you're running evolve. For me, when I start a thing, I get completely obsessed with it, so it becomes quite difficult to see the wood for the trees. So that's that's always a challenge is is being able to get away from it and and stay focused on the big picture. Um, A problem that I've found with running your own company is the isolation you get from it. I speak to loads of people about starting companies and whether or not they they should do it and all this kind of stuff. And I always say, you've got to be prepared to be very, very lonely. Everyone seems to think that entrepreneurs have the dream job and all this kind of stuff, but it's absolutely not true. I don't want to... Piss
1: on the party. Piss on anyone's bonfire (laughs) here,
0: but... But the fact of the matter is when you're doing it you know you get all the glamour in it but you're all by yourself that for me has been um i think a real challenge i've always been a bit of a loner so that's it's not too bad for me but i think a lot of people really really struggle with it um a, word, a phrase that i say a lot is sprinting to stay still so you're, you're doing it you're i'm gonna pile a whole bunch of analogies out here you're, you're juggling 20 balls and they've all got to stay in the air if you manage to keep that going indefinitely two three years 20 years an entire career Everyone would be like, "Well, that's that's Leo. He runs the company. That's what he does." Then no one ever say thank you. No one ever say well done. But then you drop one, and all hell gets loose. You know, it's like you...
1: guys, can you not see my other nineteen? Yeah, they're yeah. really moving really well. Um,
0: so yeah, the, the isolation I think has always been quite quite tricky for me.
1: You've got teams now, or you've had teams for a while with your certain um, ventures. You know, have you seen that that's been quite a big change? You've never had a that a... makes
0: that makes it worse actually.
1: Interesting. Okay, yeah, well, how uh, come?
0: Well, the more you have a team, the bigger the company is, right? The bigger the company is, the bigger the responsibilities are. And it's those people that add to the pressure because usually it's just you. And you're like, if it all goes tits up, that's that's not a big deal. I'll, I'll do something. I'll figure it out. When you've got other people relying on you, that becomes really quite stressful, and that's that's the real thing. Because if it is going wrong, I've been lucky not really to be in that situation too many times. There's no one you can not talk to them about it. So having the teams, it's great, obviously, because it means I think I move forward. But it does add to the extra pressure that you have.
1: Do you have a sort of internal thing where you make a call about when you're going to delegate something or when you're going to learn it for yourself? Yeah, so...
0: Definitely, well, I have one really really big thing my whole setup in business is efficiency well I want the companies to be efficient but really really me this is all being sound a little bit arrogant but if you're the person behind the project and you've got a hundred units of work in you per week you've got to make sure that you're making the most of every single one now the efficiency thing is, has really actually changed my life in the last six months or so I, I suddenly realized that you don't have to do everything and things are worth doing things that aren't and if you figure out a good way to work with yourself, then you can start pushing things forward. Okay. So if you look at the most obvious example, is probably to do with um, our website. The Itch website is a constantly changing thing. Now I was doing that too, and it was taking up really quite a lot of my time. Now, when I got really obsessed with efficiency about nine months ago, I uh, looked at my whole life and what was taking up hours and what was necessary to be doing or not. Okay. And I found the website was taking up nearly an hour of my day every day. Now, I like to think that my time is worth about £600, £700 a day, okay? So that's a huge amount of money that you're spending on this bloody website. So if I can possibly find someone else that can do the work for me, I will do that. And if that person charges less than £50 an hour, I will get them to do it.
1: But the big question, obviously, for that is, obviously, now you've been successful and you've built up these um, sort of mini little empires. But to start with, do you have any advice on the sort of funding if someone was thinking of setting stuff up?
0: Yeah, that is tricky, but there's no there's way around the fact that the beginning... You gotta go for good old fashioned hard work and do and do everything. Um, well, like
1: you're saying about the euphoria and yeah, it's euphoria.
0: You know, I was I was there the whole time. I was there for shifts. I was there for opening. I was there for closing. I was the handyman. I was a painter. I was the guy that pitched everything. That that yeah, that is a good way of saving money. Always try and do it on cash flow, no matter how hard it goes. Yeah, don't take a payday loan. Do take an overdraft. Do take a credit card. All this kind of stuff. You can do it on cash flow. That's great. Otherwise, yeah, you're gonna to have to sell off equity and go for it. I think that is why a lot of um. A big school of thought saying that partnerships are more likely to succeed than sole traders, and a lot of people think it's to do with um, shared responsibility or two heads are better than one, all that kind of stuff. But I think I actually think it's because at the beginning, at those crucial times, you've got two people willing to work for free rather than none.
1: Actual manpower.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe what you can get done a day, or what two can get done a day if you really, really work hard in it. But I, going back to the how you raise finance thing, it's not always necessary. So, say you've got one person, yeah, running, you're running the show. You want to hire someone to move the company forward. The problem is you're only ever going to really be able to hire someone worth having for 24 grand. Or you might give them like 15 or some profit share, but they're going to cost you about 24 grand. It costs roughly 40 grand to employ someone that costs you 25. Yeah? And that's, that's how it works. And that is a huge chunk of money. Like if I'm in a company and thinking, wow, yeah, I think I should like push this forward and try and hire someone new. It's very unlikely that I've just used that spare 40 grand that i got hanging around.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, i just whip that little number out.
0: Exactly. So what you want to do is use contractors. Freelancing. I am obsessed with freelancing. I do absolutely everything for it. And with websites like People Per Hour and Elance and uh, oh, there are so many of them, aren't there? It's, it's fantastic. So when I bought the suit company, the AdWords campaign was a big... AdWords is your advertising on Google, right? And that's a, it's a really basic step one, how to get people onto your website. I'm looking at it and I'm sitting there thinking, I, I don't really know what this means, but I'm sure there's room for improvement. So I go on People Per Hour and I paid 40 quid and met Ray. Ray is a ex-Google engineer AdWords super specialist for 40 quid. He built us an AdWords campaign that's completely. I just was just so much better immediately. Our click through rates up from under one percent to eight percent. The average cost per click is down thirty five percent. All this stuff. I didn't actually know what that meant at the time. So Ray does all that for me. For 40 quid, I've got a campaign that any digital agency would charge you three, four grand for. And the guy who's teaching me all this stuff that I didn't even know what it meant. It's, it's fantastic. I do that over and over again. Admittedly, right now, now that I'm really, really delegating, cash flow is less of an issue than it was initially. Um, but it really isn't expensive. It's like 20, 30 quid. You can get so much cool stuff done.
1: Um, Angel, last question. Mm-hmm. If you were to give yourself advice when you started out, what would you have given yourself? Would it be maybe those two points you said earlier?
0: Yeah, the main one would definitely be don't listen to your friends and family. So you, you come up with an idea and uh, if you're anything like me, you become completely consumed by it. You can't start talking about it. And you go to your people who, you, who surround you, who are inevitably your friends and family, and you say, I've got this great idea. And they go, awesome, yeah, that's great. And uh, whether they say it with a really enthusiastic tone or a slightly enthusiastic tone. Or Dead a,
1: behind the eyes. Or a
0: sarcastic tone. It <laughs> doesn't matter because they're saying what you want to hear, so you believe it. So you've got a compounded problem where you want to hear what they want to say and they desperately don't want to disappoint you. And um, if you've got a great idea, they will tell you it's great. If you've got a bad idea, they will tell you it's great and it's not a good idea. And then when you put money behind that bad idea, they're always like, oh, yeah. Nah, yeah. <laughs> I always I that was that. I was never rubbish. quite sure. Yeah. I was like, yeah.
1: but that's great because then that's where the mentors come in and stuff like that, I guess.
0: If you can find someone that will tell you your idea is fantastic or rubbish, go for it. You don't have to agree with them. But if you have someone that you consider to be a mentor and they've only ever told you what you're doing is great, you need to find a new one. I say this so many times, for a business to succeed you need a thousand things to go right. And if one of those things go wrong, your turnover doesn't go down one percent, it goes down like forty percent.
1: It's back to the balls thing as well really, to be honest, it's the same thing, if you lose one it's very hard to then regain juggling the rest of them. If
0: you've got an idea, there's a very, very good chance it's really, really bad. And if you have an idea, even if it's the greatest idea in the world, if you've got good honest mentors, one of them will tell you it's rubbish. (laughs) You've been listening to Passion Pod number 35 with me, Leo Bedford, talking about itchy feet, euphoria, Nikal's suits, and my various other disastrous ideas.